You're listening to Verified with Vanessa. Today we have a very special guest. Her name is Hannah. Do you mind just introducing yourself? Hello. My name's Hannah, but I also go by the name Frizz Kid. That's my name as an illustrator. Yeah. That's me. <laughs> I'm an illustrator and a writer. So I actually want to talk about the creation of your name, Frizz Kid. Mm. Um, did you name yourself or was that given to you? I named myself... Um, I just like, I definitely wanted like a, not really like a persona, but I just like didn't really want to go by my like real name for like art because I don't know, I thought it was boring and I wanted to be cool. So I gave myself the name Frizz Kid literally because of my frizzy hair. Cause like I've just always had like super curly frizzy hair. And also I really like Miss Frizzle from <laughs> Magic School Bus. So <laughs> it just kind of came together. That's really cool. Um, also, okay, so I'm a big, like, spiritual person, and I always, like, tell people the name behind, the meaning behind my name. Mm-hmm. Um, does Hannah actually have a meaning behind it? It does, actually. Um, it So the spelling of my name is H-A-N-A, which is the Arabized spelling, um, and it means, like, full of, full of life. Um, and it's actually the latter part of my mother's name, because my mom's name is Farhana, and I'm Hannah, so mm-hmm. it's kind of neat. Hana. Yeah. Like, I do like my name, but I just, like, wanted it, like, for my illustration name, I wanted it to be a little different. Mm. Yeah. Do you feel like you are full of life? Deaths. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Makes sense with the artist vibe, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I've seen you personally um, on the Ryerson campus a lot, and I just want to ask about your relationship mm. with Ryerson. Well, I graduated in 2015, um, from journalism, which is really funny because I'm not really in journalism anymore. Uh, but I did graduate in 2015. But um, after my art got bigger and such, um, I got asked to do like a lot of events at Ryerson because obviously I'm like alumni mm-hmm. and um, a lot of my art is really focused on, I guess, like mental health Um an art that like speaks to marginalized voices. Mm -hmm. So I think that was meaningful for like a lot of people who were working in the center for women and trans people and the racialized students collective and things like that. Mm -hmm. So they would often like bring me in to, to do events and things like that. And I have one coming up next week actually, which is the um, survivors paint night, which is going to be really, really nice and cozy. We're all going to come together and just, uh, chill and paint and it's for people who identify as survivors of uh sexual violence or like intimate partner violence so yeah it's it's gonna be really nice yeah really healing <laughs> <laughs> i saw the posters for that and they look really nice and i was like oh and it's with risk kid yeah um, so that's really exciting i know those conversations are like very hard to have so mm-hmm. having people come in and then like using a different lens to actually allow us to tell our story yeah because it's like not everyone necessarily has the capacity to like sit in a circle and like talk about their experiences. Like that's a very group therapy thing, which like works for some people. But first of all, like I'm not a therapist, so I can't facilitate anything like that. And like, secondly, it's really hard for people to talk about their experiences, especially if it has to do with anything graphic or violent. Um, So doing art nights for it is really nice because it's like you can use the art to address your pain or you can just use the art to have fun. Like you're not obligated to work through anything at mm-hmm. these events if you don't want to it's just a place that you can be comfortable and make art and that's like what a lot of the workshops that I've done 
on campus and on other campuses have just been like come and, and let's make art and let's talk about our boundaries and our healing and like why it's important. Mm-hmm. That's really great. There is a, I watched an interview with you and you talked about the relationship you had with art and how mm-hmm. important it is for you to assert yourself mm-hmm. in your art. Um, what is the significance of that? And why do you believe it's important to assert yourself in your creations? Um, like, I think that there's a certain amount of stigma about women who draw themselves or women who insert themselves in their art, um, especially if it's like women of color. Um, like it's very much like seen as like vanity or you're not creative enough or like this whole like like hating selfie culture and like mm-hmm. hating women who center themselves. Um, so I think it's really important for me, um, especially like in the body I'm in as like a woman of color to like really assert myself and assert my politics in my art because there are a lot of white male artists who do the same thing and who get branded as like revolutionary and like cutting edge and like they're these these thinkers and leaders. Um, but a lot of the women who do it are seen as like frivolous, especially mm-hmm. if it's like on Instagram. Like there's this whole thing like, oh, Instagram artists. And um, the demonization of it is definitely like very like feminized. Like it's very much like, oh, look at all these like girls posting their art on Instagram and like they think they're so great and da 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 da. And it's like, they are so great. We're (laughs) we're awesome. And it's a lot to put your art out there. So it is important for me to like really take up space in my art because otherwise like that space is not going to be given to me. I have Mm -hmm. to take it, you know? Wow, that's very beautiful. Very (laughs) inspiring. Um, You also talk a lot about queer art and Mm -hmm. I've noticed that on Ryerson campus specifically, and this is also a large significance of why we created this podcast, was a lot of people want to ask conversations about equity, but Mm -hmm. sometimes they're scared to actually take up that space to ask questions because they don't want to be seen as being ignorant. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm a firm believer that we're all on our own equity journey and Mm -hmm. we're not always going to be at the same place. Um, So why is it important that you're defining yourself as a queer artist and what is the importance of a label um, within the artistic industry? I think, you know, so obviously if you don't want to put certain aspects of your identity to the forefront, like that's your prerogative and you don't have to. Um, it's important for me to kind of like, like show myself, but like mm-hmm. assert myself as a queer artist because um, there also needs to be like more representation in like what queer art is. Um Obviously, women of color, you know, black and indigenous, queer and trans women have been like at the forefront of like a queer art movement. But we often don't remember those histories or those Mm -hmm. histories are erased. And so like our idea of queer art is like very white and cis. Um, So it's like important for me as a woman of color and also as like a Muslim woman, as someone who immigrated to this country to like, yes, like queer comes in Mm -hmm. all forms. Um, Queer is fluid and it's and everything like it's you know what I mean like so yeah I think it's important for me in that sense to like have that label like certain labels are comforting right mm-hmm. and that's why we apply certain labels to ourselves. it's just like a comfort thing so yeah cool um so there you sparked on Instagram and mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of these pieces as well just mm-hmm. from like your healing from trauma mm-hmm. um do you want to speak more about your healing is not linear piece so, oh man, that piece. So <laughs> I made that piece March, no, April 2016. Um, and I, I, hadn't, I didn't really have like an affirmation series at the time. Mm-hmm. It was um, 
like I, I had made a couple of like affirmation drawings, but it was really new to me. Um, and I, it wasn't really a medium of art that I was used to, but I was kind of trying to explore like more positive and uplifting art for myself. Cause I just felt like I was in not a great place and that I was just sort of in this like extended period of wallowing. And I was like, I really just, I don't want to like, I want to get out of this. So I made a piece and then whatever, like my friends liked it and they were like, good job, Anna. Cause like, those only people who like, <laughs> like liked my art and stuff. And then all of a sudden I went viral and I was mm. like, what's going on? And my like phone was blowing up notifications. And at first I got really freaked out. I was like, oh my God, I'm getting dragged. <laughs> like my first like instinct was like, my notifications are blowing up. Who dragged me? Oh no. Aww. Cause like, that's the internet. Mm. Um, so I was like, what's going on? But then I saw that this thing was going viral which is awesome. The, the only downside has been that at the time I didn't like sign my work or put like mm. a watermark because like, I didn't think it was going to go anywhere. So it got, it has been plagiarized a lot and it okay. gets posted without, without credit a lot. And I've had to like report people like selling it and like ripping it off and making their own products with it. So that's, that's been like yeah. not great is like seeing people rip it off with like zero credit. Um, but also a lot of people do know that it's by me, which is awesome. And, and and it had, it definitely like propelled a lot of my career. So like, I'm thankful for that, for that moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I actually want to go back to the dragging component mm-hmm. of like the social media world. Yeah. Um, you talk a lot about having like your affirmation series as a safe space for people. So mm-hmm. what sparked that idea? Um, the internet is like not a very friendly place. Mm-hmm. Um, Obviously, there's small communities on the internet that we gravitate to. Like, you know, like in the heydays of Tumblr, we'd like all go on Tumblr and like like talk about things that related to us Mm -hmm. and like comforted each other. But also like the internet has some really dark stuff going on and people can be really, really mean, even in circles that are like supposedly focused on equity. Like I've seen the internal fighting Mm -hmm. of just like tearing each other apart for like mistakes or assuming that people should already know something at some point in their life, which is like, Hey, we're all coming from different places. Mm -hmm. Like not everyone necessarily, you know, is educated in a certain way. Um, So I think it's really important and at least like the way that I've curated my Instagram is like to have this very like safe affirming space. Mm -hmm. Like I, I delete the nasty comments. You're not going to see them Mm because I go in and delete them because I don't need people to see it. I'm not saying I delete things where someone's like, oh, this is like problematic. Like if someone actually calls me out for something that's like valid, I'll respond to it and be like, oh, I, you know, I didn't know this or something like that. But I mean, like I do, I have had like alt-right trolls like post like really violent comments mm-hmm. um like things that I really don't want to expose my followers to because I don't want you to go on that photo let's say it's about uh consent culture and you go on that photo and you feel really affirmed as a survivor and then all of a sudden in the comments you see someone making a rape joke and then that triggers you all over again so I delete that stuff delete and block I don't need that content my Instagram is my my space it's not it's not like a public debate pl- platform so mm-hmm. I don't allow people to co-opt my space or my followers, like their happiness, because I know they're coming on there to feel comfort, mm-hmm. you know? And I don't want that to be ruined by someone saying something racist, misogynistic, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really valid. There's also, just going back off to like the representation component of like different, when different cultures are coming together mm-hmm. because, for example, sexual trauma, it doesn't matter what race, what gender, mm-hmm. um, or even if you don't associate with a gender, like mm-hmm. you're still... 
you can be impacted by like sexual assault and oh, sexual yeah. harassment. So the fact that you create spaces for like every culture and you even do mm-hmm. that all cultures and you do that through your art as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard you speak about ensuring that representation is there mm-hmm. for all people. Um, what sparked that? What's the importance of that too? So a lot of like positivity rhetoric and like affirmation art that I was sort of seeing prior to me starting this series was very, it was very white. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very upper class, upper middle class. Um, very like, these were like healthy, able-bodied, cis, straight, like not mentally ill white women who were like, I start my day by like meditating and doing yoga. And then I have like a green juice and I feel great. And my body feels good. And so I feel good. And it's like, that's all really well and nice. Yeah. But like <laughs> most people's can't really access that. Okay. Like to do all of those things, you need a certain amount of like, you know, for example, financial privilege. Mm-hmm. Yoga like is a, expensive. Yoga is expensive. Moving is difficult. What if you have to wake up at 5 a.m. because you work at McDonald's mm-hmm. and you're doing the breakfast shift? Yeah. You don't have time to do that stuff, but your mental health matters too. And the thing is, is the people who are more dis- disenfranchised, we know statistically that they have more mental health problems. Mm-hmm. If you work three jobs because you can't afford your apartment, you're definitely going to have some mental health issues. Mm-hmm. That's just the fact. Like that stress is going to eat you up inside. So it was important for me in creating the art that people could see themselves in positive mental health narratives mm. and that it was it was language that wasn't giving them advice, but simply affirming them. It's not do this, do that. I can't give you that advice. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a social worker. I can't facilitate any of those things. I'm not going to pretend I'm even educated in that. I'm not, I'm just trying to like make people feel good about themselves. So it's like, oh, for example, like if you're, if you're like, so I recently did one that everyone deserves to make a livable wage. Hmm. And that's kind of like, yeah, if you work a terrible job, I want you to still be able like, you're still worthy. Being poor doesn't make you a bad person. Yeah. Um, and I know I, I try to have like internalized that stuff myself because I like, you know, before, especially with the art, like I was very underemployed. I had like no money. I was freelancing in journalism for like, I mean, there was a time where I was making $15 an article, one, five, wow. $15 an article. Like that's, that's no money. So I live with my parents. I didn't have anything going for me. And like, yeah, it makes you feel like you're a bad person. Mm-hmm. Like you're like, oh, I'm lazy. Yeah, I didn't get this job because I suck. I'm not worthy of this success. Other people are more worthy than me. So it was important for me to like see myself in those narratives. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah, like, you know, brown girls who are cute and queer and down <laughs> yeah. on their luck we are worthy too. And so that's why it's important for me to see the representation because I didn't see myself and I also didn't see my friends and I didn't see my peers. I didn't see a lot of other people. So um, like another one is I have this piece that says my chronic illness does not make me difficult to love. And I asked a friend of mine if I could use their picture as the reference because this past year they went through like very, very intense like chronic illness Mm -hmm. issues to the point where they have like for the most part lost like mobility and they have to use a wheelchair and that was a difficult transition Mm because that's a lot of freedom of mobility is a very difficult thing in the city. It's not a very accessible city. Mm -hmm. And so for me, putting them in the picture was literally a way for me to be like, I want you to see yourself in this narrative, you know, 
Because again, I'm not giving them advice. Like, yeah. you should try this. You should take a hot bath. It'll make your mm-hmm. painful muscles feel better. Like, no, I don't know how to help you. I'm not a doctor, but I'm just going to tell you that you're not difficult to love just yeah. because you're sick, you know? So it's it's those things, you know? That's really beautiful. It's like humanizing the process. Yeah, just- it's just humanizing people. And unfortunately, we shouldn't have to, like, people of marginalized backgrounds should already be humanized, yeah. but we're living in a society where they're not. Mm-hmm. Like, especially like black and indigenous people repeatedly have their humanity taken away from them. Mm-hmm. And so there, there, there does need to be like artists and activists doing that work of, of humanizing mm-hmm. marginalized peoples. I 100% agree with that. Mm-hmm. Even the component of you speaking about like you writing an article for $15, mm-hmm. there's been times when I was working a part-time job mm-hmm. and I had to pay rent. And rent in this city is (laughs) terrible. Um, And it's just like my friends would always be like, hey, let's go out. And I would just be like, hey, I can't. And then they would be like, oh, you're always so broke. But they didn't realize like it's like saying that it had so much like pressure and hurt on me. Like that hurts. Yeah. It's like I'm doing, but they didn't mean it in like a hurting way. But it's just like that was the impact of it. Like people don't understand financial literacy and hey, I'm literally just giving all my money to live and study. Yeah. But like, those are the two things that are like giving me crippling anxiety. Exactly. So like, it's like, okay, I have to work to survive, but also mm-hmm. working is making me not want to live. Yeah. Like it's, that's really hard. And I mean, I still have a part-time job. And it's funny because sometimes people come into the gift shop because I work like a few few shifts a month at the gift shop between all my freelancing mm-hmm. and other stuff. And they're like, and I've had this happen before, which is really funny. They'll be like, Oh, like, are you on Instagram? And I'm like, yeah. And like, oh, are you first kid? And I'm like, yeah. And then they're like, oh, I didn't know you worked here. And it's like, God pay the bills, yeah. you know? <laughs> Which is nice. It's not like anyone like looks down on me for yeah. that. And if anything, they probably find me more relatable because yeah. I think there's an expectation that like as an artist on Instagram, especially if they're doing well or have a lot of followers, that they're like really living the high life and they're mm-hmm. super rich. But um, like most people are just still scraping by. I saw Desmond Cole last night Mm -hmm. and he's verified on Mm -hmm. Twitter and he literally was saying like, someone asked him about his job and he's like, I asked my friends to pay my rent. And the whole room just like got quiet and it's like, there's this expectation because you have a K beside your followers amount that you're supposed to make that much money to. And like, he's this insanely talented writer. Yeah. He is so talented. But also like, sometimes bad, unfair things happen to talented people. Mm-hmm. I mean, he worked for the Toronto Star and they really unjustly mm-hmm. like terminated his job. And we know there's a lot of anti-black racism involved in that yeah. in that job termination. And it's like, yeah, I mean, you can be brilliant and mm-hmm. still not have the money. So especially mm-hmm. particularly like with the types of stories that you tell when you are talking about like sexual survivors or mm-hmm racism and injustice that could actually like detriment, like be detrimental to your success. Like I know some other Toronto artists that have like a lot of sponsorships and things like that. And I'm like, Oh, where's mine? Mm -hmm. Like, can I have some? But if you're constantly posting about how you like hate capitalism and you're calling so-and-so politician (laughs) a white supremacist, which is what I do, I guess no brand wants to be associated with you. Yeah, that's. I'm not salty about it. (laughs) <laughs> no, speak your truth. Um, part of speaking your truth too is having crafter noons. Mm-hmm. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Um, do you want to speak a little bit about that? So we've done some crafter noons at Ryerson. They're super fun. 
we get together. Um, it's usually done by the Center for Women and Trans People. And we get together. We have all like arts and crafts, like got glitter markers, scented gel pens and all that kind of fun yeah. stuff. And it's just like a nice drop in. People come in. They do some art. We talk a little bit. Sometimes I'll have like my affirmation art out mm-hmm. for people to look at. Um, I've done a couple of similar events at U of T as well, which oh, is really nice. cool. Yeah. Um, and it's nice. Like I've had people just drop in and I'm just like, oh, hey, what's up? And they're like, oh, nothing. I just, you know, I want to draw. I mean, like we draw a little bit together and they flip through some affirmations and sometimes they'll start telling me about, you know, what's going on with them yeah. or what's going on with their life or the last questions. Like, how did you get into this? Like, I, I want to do art or something like that. And it's, it's really chill. Mm-hmm. And it's nice because it's really, really unstructured. And I think that if you're in any kind of post-secondary education, you have to um, conform to a lot of structure. Yeah. Like these are formal structured environments. This is like an academic institution. So Mm -hmm. it's not going to be like, you're not going to have the freedom to do whatever you want. And so the crafter noons are cool cool because sometimes people are hesitant. Like they don't know, like they're like, well, what, what do I do? And it's like, you just, you have fun. There's stickers, there's markers, there's paint, like have fun. And and, and you see people like slowly having to revert to their child, to their like inner child yeah. basically and start to play like children. But then people have so much fun with it. Like they're putting stickers on things and they make these things that they love and they take it home and they put it on their wall. And it's like, yeah, like there's actually like huge benefit in, in play and in mm-hmm. pleasure and play and things like that. Um, like I think we think that everything has to be like, very academic in order for it to be um, valuable or like legit. And I don't think that's necessarily true. Yeah, I agree with that. Even like being in academic institutions, a lot of times you're told if you're from like an artistic uh, industry too, you're told just to make art, Mm -hmm. be like structural with it, follow exact like lines, but use art as a form of storytelling. Yeah. It's storytelling. It's therapy. Um, it's fluid, like art's always going to change and I don't have like a specific, I, I think that some of the reason why I can be a little bit more free, mm-hmm. I guess, with my art, if that's the right word, is because I didn't go to art school. Um, so I never really had to like learn like, you know, the the great art history canon and like, and and take those classes. Now on one hand, that's been hard for me because I've missed out on a lot of technical training, mm-hmm. which has made it difficult because like, I'm not an art prodigy or something who's just like, Oh, I didn't have to learn. And now I can like draw, like, I'm like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a painter now. Picasso. Like Van Gogh, oh, yeah. Picasso, I'm a child <laughs> prodigy, like something like that. So it like on one side, it kind of sucks, like not getting to go to art school and not learning that. But on the other hand, I also was never told like, this is good art and this mm-hmm. is bad art. Or I was never told, like, you have to draw this in this class. Like, this is what we're looking for. So there's, like, freedom there. And, I mm-hmm. like, there's less pressure. I don't really have to feel as bad about wanting to just have fun with it, you know? That's really dope. And you, you often always say that your art is political. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of artists kind of back away mm-hmm. from making political art. Um, so what drew you to that? I don't feel that I have a choice. Hmm. Like for me, it's my art has to be political because like I live a politicized existence. 
I didn't ask to live a politicized existence, but I just did, you know, like lucky me, like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, so I, and I also think that right now, like we need to have explicitly political art. Like these are like, we're in the darkest timeline. Okay. Like climate catastrophe Mm -hmm. is imminent. People are being awful on TV and then getting fired right after. (laughs) Y'all know who I'm referring to. But uh, (laughs) my point is, is like, you need to speak out in art. And art has always been political. Mm -hmm. And the great artists that people look up to, they were like, you may not think their art was political because now it's so long gone that you can't necessarily, you don't know what the politics of the time were. But they were making political art. Mm -hmm. Frida Kahlo was making deeply political art. Like, these weren't people just like painting for beauty and fun, which I do paint for beauty and fun mm-hmm. too. Sometimes I just draw flowers because <laughs> flowers are beautiful or I draw dinosaurs because I really like dinosaurs. But I, I do think it's important to send a message, especially if, if you do have a lot of followers and you are on a platform, like use it then. Mm-hmm. Not everyone has that platform. It's really, really important, especially if you're a marginalized artist. Like don't try to just like make things that you think will please people, Mm -hmm. like tell people what you really think. And I think it's important. And I really, the the people that I look up to in my life are people who have not been afraid to say those things. And I'm not saying like, you should always like, you don't always have to speak. Like if you're tired and you don't want to deal with what's happening online, then Mm -hmm. like you don't have to do that stuff. Like you don't, if you want to take a break, you don't always have to be out there shouting and on the front line, but it's just important to me to have political art. I agree. I'm a big believer in like a lot of people, um, you know, like being marginalized. A lot of people would be like, oh, it's so hard for you Mm -hmm. to get to places. But once you do have that platform that you're talking about, the voice, like I'm a black female president Mm -hmm. of a $40,000, a um, thousand member student body. So I do have a lot of privilege in that. And I do think it's important for myself to use my voice. Mm -hmm. Same with you being an artist, Mm -hmm. having thousands of followers. Um, it is good that you're using it mm-hmm. and actually using your art as a form to educate people because that resonates with people and people are mm-hmm. looking for education outside of school. Yeah, they are for sure. I'm, I certainly did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, one last thing I do want to talk about yeah. is you do a lot of art around body politics. Um, for the people who don't know what body po- politics is, do you mind explaining what it is and why it's important? So um, when I think of body politics, it's very much rooted in like the body positivity movement, but also rooted into like what politicized bodies are and like what are the politics of existing in certain bodies Mm. Um, and what are the politics of certain aesthetics, right? Like the way that we look is not just the way that we look. It's not just an an aesthetic. So like a perfect example is when there has been questions about like appropriating like hairstyles, right? Like if you're like a white girl or a brown girl and you're doing like cornrows or box braids mm-hmm. and they go, well, it's just a hairstyle. It's like, well, actually, no, like it's a, it is a, it, the hairstyle is a political thing in and of itself. Yeah. It is black body politics like that. It like, it's not just an aesthetic. So for me, body politics is really thinking about um, what are the stigmas around certain bodies? What privileges do certain bodies enjoy? Mm -hmm. Um, And how can we represent underrepresented bodies or bodies that are seen as like undesirable or dirty or dangerous? Um, And so I use like a lot of like, I try to make a lot of body positive art so that people are, we're reframing narratives about difficult bodies. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. That's actually very relatable. I remember straining my hair for like every single job interview I had. Oh, yeah. And the first like my like first real researching job, I wore my hair in a fro and I was mm-hmm. like, ooh, let's see how this goes. And I got hired and yeah. it was just like for me having that validation that mm-hmm. like my hair is who I am and I'm not going to like silence it or like fly in it to please anyone. Mm-hmm. I've also won like Wacky Hair Day by not participating. So <laughs> my ego's been hurt a little oh, bit. No. Um, oh, no. I <laughs> but, mean, I feel that to an extent. Yeah. Hence Frizz Kid. I, I get like, it. I like straightened my hair all of high school because I wanted to be a scene kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really hard to be a scene kid with this <laughs> hair texture. Um, so I would like straighten and bleach mm. my hair a lot and uh, so much damage. Then I cut it all off and I grew it back and now it's glo- nice and glorious curly. curls. <laughs> no one knows the struggle of uh, going through the process of getting your hair healthy again. Yeah, after years of of Eurocentric destruction <laughs> of it. <laughs> um, so we talked a little bit about your healing, healing um, isn't linear mm-hmm. piece earlier today. And I've heard stories about how that was your spark of your social media journey. Oh, yes. Um, so what impact has social media had on your creation of art? I mean, I think it's had a big one because after that piece went viral, I definitely got more financial opportunities. And I was able to pursue art more as a career. Um, and so like, I know people disparage social media a lot, but like, I'm not going to lie. I wouldn't really have an arts career without it. Because mm. I didn't go to art school. I don't have parents that are artists. I don't have connections in the arts community. So where what else was supposed to be my chance, right? So social media has helped me in that way because I don't think anyone would have seen my work without it. Like, where would I have put it? Mm -hmm. Um, It's not like I could have just walked into a gallery or something. So um, social media is difficult because it's also like, there's pressure and I feel pressure to create. And like, there have been times where I've like focused on likes and I've thought like, oh, someone didn't, like people didn't like this as much. And then I feel bad. And I have to remind myself, that's not what this is Mm -hmm. about. And also there's like an algorithm and sometimes things <laughs> get buried and it's very annoying and like not to focus on that. Um, but yeah, it has helped my career. Like there's no doubt about it. Mm. And um, we briefly spoke um, about like how you create um, safe spaces online. Can we just go more in depth about your affirmation series and where that is now? So I have like over 200 affirmations now. Wow. Yeah. And I'm still making them like every week. Some weeks I haven't because I've been tired. But (laughs) I'm still making them almost every week. Um, And I'm not going to say like too much about Mm -hmm. this, but I'm sort of in the process of like, fuck. Ooh. (laughs) We got the mic drop on some hinted things. (laughs) That's amazing. If Um, I could drop this mic, (laughs) I would, but it seems expensive, so I won't. They're pretty good quality mics. Um, <laughs> Just destroying Ryerson <laughs> <Ryerson> tech. <laughs> um, so our next question and topic actually leads into what you're talking about on like the algorithms and how sometimes like we do try to just like validify ourselves mm-hmm. um, by the way in which others see us and just those likes on the page, whether mm-hmm. or not we're verified. Um, so as you know, our our podcast is called Verified because we seek to change the meaning of what verified actually mm-hmm. means. Um, so if you had the option to change and rename what verified means, what would you create? 
I think it should just mean that you're committed to your craft mm. and you do it well and you put it out there. Wow, that's very beautiful. I, I like that one. Like, you know, I don't have a blue check mark right now. <laughs> I have thought about asking for one, but then I'm also being really stubborn about it and I'm like, no. Yeah. I don't know why. Like, I'm just being really extra about it and like kind of wanting to like not get one because mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, you got to take me seriously either way. Yeah. Um, and I know I've definitely like when I see someone like my a post of mine and mm-hmm. I see that they are like have the check mark, I'm like, whoa, who's this? <laughs> yeah. And I, I really fall for it a lot. It's hard not to. Mm-hmm. Like social media does give us instant gratification. That's why it's it's addictive in that way. It's like I'm going to post this and yeah. I'm going to get everyone's response right away and I'm going to feel good right away. Mm-hmm. But then that also backfires because then when you post something and you don't get the response, you take it really personally, yeah. even when you shouldn't. And I've had to remind myself, don't take it personally. It's not a big deal, but I still get a little bit. Me too. In a, in a huff and puff, you know. The ones, like the photos I genuinely feel like natural and beautiful. They do not get likes mm-hmm. unless I'm like, like they get, mm, and you okay. But it's like <laughs> when, <laughs> when I'm like done up, I'm going out for like a night out have like heels, full beat face. That's yeah. what gets likes. And I'm like, that's not me I on know, a day I know, it's so frustrating. Like I've had like some selfies of mine get more likes than like illustrations mm-hmm. I made on my art account on Instagram. And I'm like, damn it. Yeah. Why? I'm like, well, that's cool. I'm glad that you like my face, yeah. but. It's a likable face. Also, thank <laughs> you, you know. <laughs> but it's just like, I'm like, oh, now I'm sad. Yeah. I'm like, I wish you liked this, but. Also, yeah, there's like an algorithm at work. The sneaky evil algorithm. And they do it on purpose. There's two things I blame everything in my life on. Mercury and retrograde <laughs> and algorithms. Oh, wait, what's your sign? Libra. Ooh. Mercury just exited retrograde. That's good to today. know. So now I saw a post that said now everything's just your fault. Oh, okay. It's not that's- Mercury's <laughs> fault anymore. It's just our fault. That's valid. Yeah. What's your moon sign? I think it's Scorpio. And you're rising. I think it's also Scorpio. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. I this know. was your this is your month then. I'm having a time. Yeah, a lot of things <laughs> going on. There's a lot going on. Yeah. What um, about you? What's your sign? I'm a Leo and I'm nice. a double Libra. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Very vulnerable. This and- is great. Okay. <laughs> Um, so our last question is what are three tips that you would give to students who are not in the field that particularly they will want to be when they come out. And if they do want to partake in like an art industry, what's your advice for them? Uh, Number one, practice every single day. I don't care how good you are. Mm. You have to practice every day. That's important Um, because you'll always get better and it's enjoyable to practice. Uh, Number two, surround yourself with other artists. Um, Absolutely like make community it's great to surround yourself with other artists who are willing to, they'll promote your stuff. You'll promote theirs. You're always lifting each other up. Mm-hmm. And like you have to be each other's like hype men because like that's it. Like, yeah. that's, that's what you got. Your friends have to be your hype men. Um, I guess a third thing is um, don't like undercharge people. Mm. And I've had to learn that the hard way. I've like really undercharged on things because I feel like, oh, I'm not that experienced. So like I shouldn't charge as much. But as a result, like I've gotten kind of ripped off. Mm -hmm. 
So I would say, yeah, like don't undercharge, like charge a fair rate. Even if you're like, oh, you know, I want to charge a little less because I'm just starting off and I want them to like hire me again or something mm-hmm. for a commission, like still don't, don't just like ask for pennies. People have more money. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. Know your worth. That's very know good Know your worth. Exactly. Our events coordinator, Vanessa, she, she works at the RSU too. Um, there's way too many Vanessas here, by the way. <laughs> um, she gave me the best advice of my life. And I'll actually tell her that today after I see her. Um, we're coming back from Desmond Cole. And she said, the best advice that I got was watching like another woman speak. And she says, I don't charge on the event I'm going to. I charge on my lived experiences. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you're paying yes. for my degree. You're paying for what, like, what I had to live through to be here today. Exactly, exactly. I saw a post like that. It said... It doesn't matter if I can draw this in an hour. Mm. You are paying for the years it took for me to be yes. able to draw this in an hour. That's fire. Yeah. So live by that. That's really good Yeah, advice. seriously. <laughs> I'm still trying to learn to live by it. It's hard. It's very hard to. It is. Yeah. Knowing your worth, but then wanting to like respect people. Because when you come, for like, come to non-for-profits and are doing teachings, mm-hmm. that's hard to be like, oh, I know you have money, but you're doing good things. Yeah, and, I don't and want- it's awkward to ask for money. Yeah. And so I've had to learn to be like, yes, I will take this money. Mm-hmm. It's like the amount of times I've gone somewhere and they'd be like, would you like us to get you a coffee? And I'm like, no, it's okay. And then in my head, I'm like, no, yeah, I want a coffee, but I, I lost my chance. No, you gotta, you gotta take up space because take the coffee. it's going to go to someone else. Yeah. So sometimes you have to be selfish. Yeah, you do. You do. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you so much for being a part of our podcast. Thank you. Do you have any things to plug in? Any um, shout outs? Follow me. <laughs> <laughs> What's your Instagram? At FrizzKidArt. Amazing. I feel so corny, but I mean, do it. <laughs> and will you ever get verified? Mayhaps. <laughs> we'll see. All right. Well, you've been verified through yourself today. Oh, yay. <laughs> thank, thank you so you. much. Yay.